0: Welcome to another episode of Coming Out Stories from What Goes On Media with me, Emma Goswell. It's the podcast that pretty much does what it says on the tin. Yep, we meet up with incredible people from the LGBTQ plus community and hear their story. In this episode, we're going stateside to meet an elder of the community. Marie is a grandmother from the Bronx, and she didn't come out until she was in her 50s. Also, listen closely to this episode, as it's further proof that it's never too late in life to find love, or perhaps rekindle an old flame. This is Marie's story.
1: Well, actually, when I was a lot younger, I was always involved, you know, in the community because of my family members, so... I was always going to wherever he would take me to raids or to clubs, you know, supporting him. But I still, as you know, as a young woman, you know, had no interest of that being my life, but just supporting my cousin. And as I got older, I would volunteer for different um, events, and and uh, I wasn't considering my sexuality at that point. Am I gay? I I didn't think about it, truly didn't think about it. And after uh, getting married and having children and the loss of those, you know, relationships, I considered myself asexual. I was not interested. Men, definitely not men. (laughs) And, And women, no, you know, I just say, well, I'm asexual, I'm not interested.
0: But when you were with um, your husband then, did you think that uh, you were heterosexual or you just sort of didn't think about it much? You just sort of went along with it because that's what everyone else I was I just doing? went along
1: with it because that's what was expected. You know, you're a woman, you're supposed to be with a man, you know, not realizing that a lot of not finding the pleasure, the enjoyment was because I belong somewhere else. <laughs> so, But it was late coming. But, yeah, <laughs> better later
0: than ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was it that led you to come out a lot later in life then? Well, after having a family and seeing the
1: difficulties that folks were having, coming out and, uh, you know, ostracized by family and friends and jobs, it was very hard to say, well, I'm going to come out at this point. And especially when you're, you have children. I have five children. Wow. And, Considering their lives, they were my first priority. I raised my children, and when my youngest, 17, she went to Temple University.
0: Yeah, they weren't children anymore, so they were all adults. They'd all gone to make their own lives. Was it was it that that made you think, right, well, I can go and yeah, do what I, I want to do now?
1: I can go and do what I want to do. I, like I said, I was always already involved in the community. I was working at the Bronx Community LGBT Pride Centre, Wow. And my children, you know, they knew that that's the kind of work that I did. That's the people that I was involved with. Um, I also was working with another young lady, uh, a gay female in the community. She's a, p- a promoter and I handled um, her business. You know, I worked for her. So, you know, it was nothing new, me being involved in the community. What was new was when I decided that I think that this is me. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And and I found someone wasn't the right someone for my first venture, but you know what? That's that's the way it goes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very rare that people find the one, the first one. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And I was so disappointed.
1: And a friend, my good friend, said to me, "You know, did you just think that they just wasn't the right one? Is you know, you got to try again." <laughs>
0: Hey, let's talk about the Bronx a bit because it's somewhere I've not spent much time. I've been lucky enough to go to New York for a few times. But what's it like in terms of being LGBT friendly? Because I guess you've lived there a long time, have you? Yes,
1: I've lived in the Bronx a long time and there are still problems. There are still problems. What happens is we tend to group together to protect each other, you know, as family and friends and, you know, fight against the. The discrimination that's still going on with housing, Hmm. you know, just walking the street, you know, being attacked or, you know, we have to deal with all those kind of things.
0: So is it was that part of it? Was that part of not feeling like you could come out and be accepted because it was a fairly, you know, it can be an intolerant area?
1: Oh, yeah, that was part of it. And in the African-American community, the church, you know, played a, a real big part in how we lived our lives and, you know, what we could cast that outcast as sinners. So you have to be very, you have to be very careful if you want it to have a life.
0: So are you from a religious background? Is that part of your family's experience?
1: I have been involved with the the church, but I'm not extremely religious. I've tried um, the Christian religions and also the Muslim religion. Uh, my first husband, his family was Muslim. So, you know, I've been through different religions, but me right now, no, I'm not extremely religious. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm disillusioned with the religious yeah. community when it comes to people and lives.
0: Are you still in touch with your ex husband? Do you, uh, did you?
1: No, I have no contact. No. no, no.
0: You wouldn't know what they thought about you coming out as gay then?
1: No, I wouldn't know, wouldn't care.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So um, you did obviously find the one, and I guess finding the right person to be with gives you more confidence to to come out, does it, do you think? I think so. Mm. I
1: think when you have that support and that love, it it makes a difference.
0: And, And was it that that made you think, Right, this is the time I will actually go and tell my children now, because that's a big deal, I guess, isn't it? As, as a parent, to well, tell your children.
1: It's it's very difficult to tell your children. And even today, my children say, Mommy, you're not gay. You know, they say, Mommy, you are the straightest gay person that I know. <laughs> <laughs> or you're the gayest straight person that I know.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, well, wonderful. But I mean, but generally, are, are they supportive? Are they happy for you?
1: um they're supportive I believe with my children if I decided that I, I I told them I was gonna get with a with a with a man they'd still have problems with their mother having a relationship I think they think parents are archaic and we don't think about sex and we don't need or deserve to have that kind of a relationship
0: <laughs> <laughs> God, do you mind me asking how old you are now then
1: i'm sixty seven.
0: Yeah, and I'm guessing that sex and relationships are still important to you.
1: Still very important, very important, yeah. But the relationship first, and then the sex is second, yeah. you know,
0: yeah. So you are settled down in a, in a happy, loving relationship now. Well, you know, the
1: funny thing is I went to the Sage 25th Gala last night. Oh, yeah. And um, I had broken up with my partner. Oh, and gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we rekindled. This is why my reception is not so great because I'm at her house.
0: <laughs> ah! <laughs> so Sage has got a lot to answer for, then. Yes, that's how
1: I met her in the beginning, and this is how we got back together through Sage. Ah. Isn't that wonderful?
0: <laughs> well, tell us a, tell us a bit about Sage then, because I don't think everybody will have heard of Sage. You know, particularly not in the UK, maybe.
1: Well, Sage is that organisation, the longest existing. Organization for um, seniors in the LGBT community, and they are all over the United States, the world now. They're international, mm-hmm. and they're very supportive. They're instrumental in getting legislation passed here in in the United States, marriage equality. You know, they were the, for, the for, at the forefront. So they are very important. They are supportive. In our everyday lives, they've opened up community centres.
0: So you'd recommend people to get involved with SAGE then, I guess, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You know, for services, for um, socialisation, you know, it's a big help. They have part of the organisation for veterans. So, yes, I would recommend SAGE Mm -hmm. for anyone. And we're getting ready to go. To, to, that's been my dream for many years, and I've been promoting this since I was at the Bronx Community Pride Center. Intergenerational conversations and gatherings, and that's where Sage is heading now. You know, we're starting with the intergenerational, so we get some young folks, and we can see their perspective, and they can and and see ours, and you know, learn from each other. So that's important. That's where that's where we're headed. They have started. Uh, were behind two developments, um, LGBT housing developments. They're not perfect, but they made the effort and tr- and tried. But you know, in, in this world, it's a small step, but it's a step in the right direction because, you know, you still have the people who are fighting it, you know, oh, we can't be an LGBT development. We have to be friendly, which means you have to have, you know, let everyone in. And then you find out that, You're letting everyone in, but we have a very small part. The percentages are not all that great as far as the housing. We are back to being a minority.
0: Yeah, which is not what we want necessarily. No, that's
1: not what we want. And it's not comfortable for a lot of of us.
0: This is something I've heard of in the UK, and and tell me what it's like in the US. It might be different. That you know, a lot of older people, you know, when they get to the end of their lives, they're ending up in nursing homes and they're ending up in accommodation, and it's so intolerant. They end up going back in the closet. So they may have been out and proud, and then they've ended up going back in the closet. Is that happening in the US?
1: Yes, it is happening, and it's sad. It's people I know. They have to be. They want to be safe. You know, it's the end of their lives. They're in a nursing home and to protect themselves from the staff and you know the uh, the other um i don't want to call them inmates
0: (laughs) 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 residents yeah
1: you know they they go back into the closet and it's really really sad you know if you're visiting then they kind of you know don't want you to come if you're out and i'm you know, I'm straight looking, straight acting, so I can go and visit. But maybe my partner wouldn't be able to go because she, you know, is masculine centered. So they, you know, they want to keep it quiet. They want to stay in the closet. They don't want any problems. And, and it's sad. So it's, they're lonely, isolated and lonely. Yeah.
0: Well, there's still a lot to fight for then, isn't there, really?
1: Yes, it really is. Yeah. We want to start our own organization, you know, nursing home or or senior living facility for our community. We're working on that.
0: Oh, are you? So when you say our community, do you mean LGBT community or do you mean Afro-Caribbean or or both? Both,
1: but mostly the LGBTQ community. That's what we're looking for, for a safe haven. You know, in in a life, we want to be comfortable. We want the best living that we can have, you know, as we transition
0: there's always been talk in the UK about these things starting, but they're all still sort of very much in the early stages of planning, I think, at the moment. But I'm all for it. I bring it on, I say. I want to live in an LGBT nursing home when I'm old enough.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: I think it'd be great. So let's go back to those conversations that you had then, when you did actually meet someone and think, well, that's it, I'm in a gay relationship, I'm going to come out as gay. Who was the first person that you told then? Can you remember?
1: Probably one of my, you know, my good friend who is not in the life, I probably would have, you know, discussed it with her first.
0: Hmm. You and know. you got a good reaction?
1: Absolutely. She was always non-judgmental. Whatever I did, you know, she was the one that carried the shovel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> God, brilliant. And what about any of your kids? Did you did you pick one to tell first? If you got five? Did you, did you start the oldest and work down or did it not really work out like that?
1: And like I was saying before, my children are still uneasy with me saying that I'm gay. They're still uneasy with it. They they are in denial. You know, it's right in front of them. I was, you know, living for years with someone, but they, you know, oh, that's mommy's best friend or, you know, that's mommy's roommate, but never that's mommy's partner. That's mommy's lover. You know,
0: does that hurt you?
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm.
1: Absolutely. Because that means that they're not seeing me for who I am. So I distance myself from them because, you know, time is of the essence. I cannot waste my time. It's five of them. Listen, I got other things that I need to be doing. Yeah.
0: Do you speak to any of them then or are they all being a bit
1: of judgment? I speak to them on a regular basis. But, um, you know, when it comes to socialization, I'm with my LGBT family. And my partner would encourage me to go to family events and I would go. And I just didn't want her to be uncomfortable or mistreated by homophobia within my family. So that's why I would avoid situations.
0: It's not good, is it? I mean, I I speak to a lot of people who are perhaps younger and they feel like they have to educate their parents. But it feels Uh like it feels like you in your 60s are having to educate the younger generation to not be homophobic.
1: Yes. And especially like my grandchildren, I, uh, my grandchildren, I, I have two great grandchildren now. They need to oh, be. Wow. Ed-
0: yeah. Um, how old are they?
1: Um, the youngest um, great grand, I believe, um, is maybe four or five years old. I, I'm not in contact, but I'm in contact with two of my granddaughters who are in the life. They're in their 20s. And I'm um, spending time and she's, I'm very proud of them and they're very proud of me. They can say my grandma, my grandma's in the life, you know. Mm. <laughs> so I'm connecting with them.
0: So they're quite good allies to the LGBT community, are they? They're people in their 20s. They are wonderful.
1: Uh, one is in, in Maryland and the other is in Georgia. But they're living their life. They're living their life. And I'm so, so happy about that. And they are ignoring my children, their parents and living their life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's that middle generation we've got to worry about then that are not being as tolerant as they might be able to be.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, but I remember when I saw you do a speech, I remember you saying that your uh, your cousin, was it your cousin that came out as gay first? Quite yes. a few years before you. And that, that sort of, Really enlightened you, I guess, did it? Because he sort of was was the trailblazer and made you aware of who was going to be safe to come out to and who wasn't going to be okay with it. Exactly.
1: And, um, you know, we are still very, very close. But because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to really get together. But he's still a uh, trailblazer. He's still out there. He still gets his party (laughs) on. Yes! (laughs)
0: Yes! <laughs> and how old's he?
1: Wow, he's in his early 60s.
0: So he wouldn't have necessarily been around at the Stonewall Riots in terms of being involved. He would have been a bit too young, really, wouldn't he?
1: Right, but he was out there very young. He was out there going to the different clubs and, and the different events. Yeah.
0: I bet he remembers that time quite well, then.
1: He does remember those times, and he all, he's always reminded me. You remember? And I went with him in a lot of the places. I didn't know that that was you know, now famous spot. Yeah. At the he says, and I was saying, you remember it was so and so low. Oh, wow. Oh, you mean to tell me I was there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what you might have been at Stonewall, but you can't remember. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah, right.
0: But I think you'd remember if you're at the riot. That I mean that was pretty dramatic. Oh, no. I was, that was not pretty...
1: at the riot. No. I was not no. at the riot myself personally, but I mm. do have friends who were there.
0: You know, I, was, I had been lucky enough to speak to one person that was was there that night, but it's just something that, well, it's just part of our history, isn't it? It was, it, it was a moment where people stopped going. We're going to take this anymore from the police.
1: I am so happy. I'm I'm sorry that people were clubbed and beaten, but it changed the world. You know, Stonewall changed the world.
0: It really did. There's no underestimating it, really. You know, we still mark the occasion in the UK as well. That's why we still have a lot of Pride events in June, like you guys do. You know, it's all because of Stonewall.
1: Right, right. And I'd love to come over there to the UK and, and see how that works.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you'll love to come over. Pride in, well, which one do you want to go to? Pride in London, Pride in Brighton, Manchester, Birmingham. What well, you
1: yeah. recommend? Well,
0: I live in Manchester, so I'd have to say Manchester, wouldn't I? Manchester,
1: okay, great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, come over and visit Canal Street. Okay. Do you get involved in the Pride festivities in June?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm involved every year. I'm organising, making sure that seniors who want to be a part are able to get on the bus that Sage has, you know, and wave at the crowds and you know it's a wonderful experience for them and uh, my partner who is not from new york she had never been to a gay parade so a couple of years ago when you know before the pandemic i made sure that she got on the bus and and did the gay parade and it was a wonderful experience
0: what was it like watching her what was what was her facial expression like what how did she take it all in
1: she was over the top she was just really enjoying herself and you know meeting and greeting people who were on the bus and you know talking and laughing and after you know after the end of the um parade just getting together with people and 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 um socializing it was wonderful she was like a kid in a candy store
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know that's how i always describe it though when i describe you know my first pride was when i was london in the 90s and i was about 18 or 19 you know and it was so important to me just to see so many other LGBT people being out and proud I couldn't believe it but I can't really imagine what that experience would be like to do it later in life you know to do it 50 60 plus it must be must be a a celebratory but almost weird out-of-body experience I think I think so yeah Yeah.
1: I felt like they're just watching her
0: (laughs) what was your first pride like then can you remember
1: Well, I went with my cousin, like I said, a lot of years ago. And for me, you know, I have a problem. I used to have a bigger problem with crowds. You know, you think of a crowd, everybody looks like they're having fun, but, you know, things can turn. So I was a little nervous being there, but I watched my cousin and his friends and they were enjoying themselves. So, you know, it was pleasurable. Yeah. As an older adult going to the parades, is a different experience for me. I really enjoy them because it's part of me now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what do you take from it then when you go, what's the best bit, do you think? Just seeing the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, you know, who
1: are like me and enjoying themselves and saying, you know, look at me, see me, and just people just being so happy and involved it's it's wonderful it's it's hard to explain like you say it's almost like an out-of-body experience
0: (laughs) hey so what happened when you came out to your cousin then because I mean you've been going to all these gay events and parties and venues with him for decades by the sound of it so how did the conversation go when you finally told him
1: well he told me
0: ah One of those conversations, (laughs) right? Go go on, what happened? He
1: told me, because I was still hiding from my family, even though I was out involved and, you know, uh, making speeches and protesting and things like that. I wasn't doing that with my family. You know, he pulled me and said, you know, congratulations. (laughs) You being your true authentic self.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And did you go? Oh, thank you for pointing that out. Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. And was was there any part of him that was like, oh, "Why didn't you do this thirty years ago?" Or no, he was just understanding that that was, that was your process.
1: Right. Very understanding. He knows. He knows the family dynamics too. So,
0: is there any part of you that regrets not maybe trying to do it sooner, or was it just would have been impossible?
1: I don't think that I would have been ready. And that means that my whole life, you know, my children, who I, you know, I love, I'm love. I'm glad that they're here. And those are my experiences. Perhaps earlier things could have been different. My life could have been, you know, I wouldn't be on antidepressants.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Because uh, what age was it you came out then? It was in your 50s, wasn't it? I think. Yes. Yes. God. So what advice would you have to anyone perhaps on the same journey, you know, thinking about coming out, but they haven't done it till a little bit later in life.
1: Well, we, I have discussions uh, with people who are, they come to our women's group and they're not out with their family and friends, but they come and um, take part in the group. And we talk to them about, you know, when you're ready, when you're ready Mm -hmm. and you can't force people out You know, you don't out people and you don't force them out when they're ready, whether they're 10 (laughs) or 90. You know, I have a woman in my group. She's 88 years old and she is not out with her family. And she's facing what we were talking about, maybe possibly going into a nursing home. And, you know, what's that going to look like for her? You know, because now she has us and she have to cut herself off from us. Her children want her to move in with them, but she says, I can't do that. I will never see gay people.
0: <laughs> so um, and it's, it's tragic, it's tragic. But she's 88 and she still hasn't come out to a kids. no. Yeah. But I did read about that guy last year or the year before, somewhere else in America, not anywhere near York, who came out age 90. And his family yeah. did accept him, and he did join loads of local LGBT groups. And, you know, you do you do hear of it. Yeah, it happens. It happens. I just can't imagine being 88 and in the closet. I think, yeah. But uh, you know
1: what? She thinks she's in a closet, but people know. And <laughs> her family knows. You know, they don't talk about it, but I'm sure they know. You know, she had her son bringing her to our church, which is the name of the church is In The Life Ministries, you know, he doesn't live in New York, but I mean he has not lived under a rock.
0: <laughs> so it's a very pro LGBT church then?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Has she got a partner? Has she got a girlfriend or had a girlfriend? No,
1: she had a partner for, for more than fifty years. Her partner passed away. For more than more than fifty years she had well, no, because of the age difference. They weren't sisters. You know how we have those relationships? live with somebody this is my sister this is my cousin hers was um that's my aunt that was an aunt and a niece because of the 15 year age difference you know so that they could move into housing wow yeah
0: but they were together they were together
1: 50 years
0: but it just amazes me just think how many women in particular i think would have been together throughout history but never documented because they're all written down on things as like you say, aunt and niece or sisters or.
1: Yeah. cousin. It's so many of us. There's so many stories out there. Oh yeah.
0: There's several books in that, I think, isn't there? Yes. (laughs) So how would you like to see? I mean, you've lived a good 64 years. How would you like to see the next 64 years pan out then for the, for the LGBT community, particularly in the Bronx?
1: I would like to see, where it doesn't matter. We don't have to, you know, hide or we don't have to not be a part of the whole community. Everybody is just people. You know, the acceptance, that's what I'm looking forward to, just the acceptance.
0: wonderful marie talking to me there i feel like i learnt a lot listening to her a huge thank you to marie oh and if you want to find out more about sage the advocacy group for lgbt plus elders just go to sageusa.org and you'll find loads of useful resources on their website Right, next time we have a coming out story first, which isn't really anything to brag about because I feel like we should have done this a long time ago. Uh, But we are finally talking to someone who is intersex. Stephen told me he'd only discovered that he was born intersex at the age of 36 after he'd been diagnosed with cancer. To be honest with you, I didn't necessarily understand it before I found out. Um, I was diagnosed with bowel cancer during um, those scans. They saw that I had a polycystic ovary. And when they saw that, obviously, they realized that I had some female anatomy inside of my body. So that was kind of how I was born. And my parents were aware of it when I was born, and they chose for me to have uh, a male-identifying um, life because I had male genitalia and that male genitalia was deemed to be fully functional and working.